After reciting the Tashahud Ta'uz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalib the Masih the fifth Ayyadullah Ta'ala ibn Aziz stated, In historical accounts, we find mention of a dream of Hazrat Abu Bakr in relation to the conquest of Makkah. It is mentioned that Hazrat Abu Bakr related his dream to the Holy Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah I saw a dream in which I saw you we had reached close to Makkah. A female dog came towards us barking, and when we went near to her, she lay down on her back, and milk started to flow from her. Upon this, the Holy Prophet said, Their harm has been removed, and we will soon derive benefit. They will call on their relationship to you and seek refuge with you, and you will soon meet some of them. This is how the Holy Prophet interpreted the dream. The Holy Prophet further said, Hence, if you find Abu Sufyan, do not kill him. Following this, the Muslims found Abu Sufyan and Hakim bin Hizam at Maru Zahran. Ibn Uqba relates, when Abu Sufyan and Hakim bin Hizam were returning to Makkah, Hazrat Abbas anhu said to the Holy Prophet wasallam, O Messenger of Allah, I am doubtful in relation to Abu Sufyan's acceptance of Islam. The manner in which Abu Sufyan agreed to obey the Holy Prophet wasallam and how he accepted Islam has previously been mentioned already. Nevertheless, Hazrat Abbas said, You should call him back until he has understood the teachings of Islam and seen Allah's army with you. In another narration, Ibn Abi Shayba relates, When Abu Sufyan was about to return, Hazrat Abu Bakr said to the Holy Prophet O Messenger of Allah, if you command us, then we will stop Abu Sufyan en route. In yet another narration, Ibn Ishaq relates, When Abu Sufyan was returning, 
The Holy Prophet said to Hazrat Abbas, Stop him, that is Abu Sufyan, in the valley. Hence, Hazrat Abbas caught up with him and stopped him. Upon this, Abu Sufyan said, O Banu Hashim, are you deceiving me? Hazrat Abbas replied, We do not deceive. According to another narration, he replied, We do not deceive. However, you should wait here until the morning and until you see the army of Allah and what Allah has prepared for the disbelievers. Hence, Hazrat Abbas kept Abu Sufyan in this valley until the next morning. With regards to when the Muslim army was passing in front of Abu Sufyan, it is written in Subul al-Huda wal-Rashad that the contingent of the Holy Prophet dressed in green passed in front of Abu Sufyan. This consisted of Muhajireen and Ansar and there were many banners and flags. Every tribe of the Ansar had its banner and flag and they were clad in iron, that is, they were clad in armour and chainmail. Only their eyes could be seen. Every so often, Hazrat Umar would say at the top of his voice, March slowly so that your first division of the army remain connected with the last division. It is said that this contingent contained 1,000 soldiers clad in armour. The Holy Prophet passed his banner to Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah and he stayed at the forefront of the army. When Hazrat Saad reached Abu Sufyan, he called out to him saying, Today is a day of bloodshed. Today that which is prohibited shall be made permissible. Today the Quraysh shall be humiliated. Thereupon Abu Sufyan said to Abbas, O Abbas, it is your duty to protect me today. Thereafter the other tribes passed by and the Holy Prophet then appeared, mounted on his camel named Qaswa. He came while speaking to Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Usaid bin Hudayr who were to each side of him. Hazrat Abbas said to Abu Sufyan that this was the Holy Prophet Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhuma relates that when the Holy Prophet entered Makkah during the conquest of Makkah, he saw the women were hitting their scarves upon the faces of the horses in order to make them move away. The Holy Prophet smiled and turned to Hazrat Abu Bakr asking, O Abu Bakr, what is it that Hassan bin Thabit had said? Hazrat Abu Bakr recited the following couplets. Adimtu bunayyati in lam tarawha tuthiru naq'a maw'iduha kada yunazi'na al-a'innata musrahat yulattimuhunna bil-khumurin nisa meaning I would lose my beloved daughter if you see not an army which scatters dust all over the promised place of which is Mount Gada. They hold the reins of their swift horses. The women strike them with their scarves. Upon this, the Holy Prophet said, Enter this city from the place Hassan mentioned, i.e. Gada. Gada is another name for Arafat. It is an elevated path which descends from the outer parts of Makkah to its inner area. This is from where the Holy Prophet entered Makkah during the conquest of Makkah.
When the Holy Prophet announced the message of peace during the conquest of Makkah, Hazrat Abu Bakr said to him, O Messenger of Allah, Abu Sufyan desires honour. The Holy Prophet therefore stated, Whoever enters the house of Abu Sufyan shall be granted security. After conquering Makkah, the Holy Prophet gave an order regarding the idol Hubul. It was taken down and the Holy Prophet was standing beside it. Hazrat Zubair bin Alawam then said to Abu Sufyan, O Abu Sufyan, Hubal has been overthrown, yet on the day of the battle of Uhud, you very arrogantly proclaimed that it had rewarded you all. In response, Abu Sufyan said, O son of Alawam, leave such talk, for I have realized that if there were any God beside the God of Muhammad then what has happened today would never have come to pass. The Holy Prophet then sat in one corner of the Kaaba and the people gathered around him. Hazrat Abu Huraira relates that the Holy Prophet was sat during the conquest of Makkah and Hazrat Abu Bakr was beside him with his sword unsheathed on guard, i.e. he was stood right next to him. With regards to the Battle of Hunayn, it is mentioned that another name for this battle was Ghazwa Hawazin as well as Ghazwa Autas. Hunayn is a valley situated between Makkah and Taif at a distance of 30 miles from Makkah. The Battle of Hunayn took place after the conquest of Makkah in Shawal 8 Hijri. It is mentioned in narrations that when Allah the Almighty enabled the Holy Prophet to conquer Makkah, the chiefs of Hawazin and Thaqif gathered together and were fearful that the Holy Prophet would attack them as well. Malik bin Auf Nasri gathered the tribes of Arabia. Hence, along with the tribes of Hawazin and Banu Thaqif, the Banu Nasr, Banu Jushim, Saad bin Bakr and a few people from the Banu Hilal joined with them. All of them gathered together at a place called Autas. Autas was the name of a valley near Hunayn. Malik bin Auf sent his spies to gather information about the Holy Prophet. When the Holy Prophet learned that they had formed an alliance, the Holy Prophet sent Abdullah bin Abi Hadrad Aslami on a reconnaissance mission towards them. After this, the Holy Prophet decided to march towards Hawazin and for the battle, he took weapons on loan from his cousin Nawfal bin Harith and also from Safwan bin Umayyah. Thus, the Holy Prophet marched upon the Banu Hawazin with an army of 12,000 men. They reached the valley of Hunayn early morning and entered the valley. The army of the idolaters were already hiding in the valley. They attacked the Muslims all of a sudden and fired arrows with such intensity that the Muslims turned back and scattered as they ran away. Owing to this, only a handful of companions were left around the Holy Prophet, among whom was Hazrat Abu Bakr Abu Ishaq narrates, A person came to Bara and said, You all ran away in the Battle of Hunayn. He said, I can testify that the Holy Prophet did not retreat. However, some impatient ones and those without weapons went towards the tribe of Hawazin. They were expert archers. 
they released a flurry of arrows like a swarm of locusts. Owing to this, they broke rank. In this situation, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar from among the Muhajireen remained steadfast with the Holy Prophet. And from among the family of the Holy Prophet, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib remained with the Holy Prophet Similarly, the names of Abu Sufyan bin Haris and his son Rabia bin Harith, Fazal bin Abbas and Osama bin Zaid are mentioned as well. Hazrat Abu Qatada narrates, During the Battle of Hunayn, I saw a Muslim fighting against an idolater. I saw another idolater who was discreetly moving towards the Muslim from behind in order to kill him. I quickly advanced towards the idolater that was moving discreetly towards the Muslim. He raised his hand to strike me, but I struck his hand and severed it. He then grabbed hold of me firmly and squeezed so hard that I was left immobilized. He then released me and loosened his grip. I pushed him away and then killed him. On the other side, the Muslims suffered defeat and ran away and I was also among them. He then further narrates, The Muslims then returned and gathered around the Holy Prophet The Holy Prophet said, Whoever can provide evidence that he slayed someone, then he will be entitled to the spoils belonging to that deceased person. I stood up so that I could find some evidence about the person I had killed, but nobody saw him, nor could anyone testify for me, and so I sat back down. I then thought about it again and mentioned the incident about the person he killed to the Holy Prophet. There was a person sitting near the Holy Prophet who said, I have the weapons of the person that was killed by him. The person who took the weapons said to the Holy Prophet to give something else to this claimant that he would be content with, i.e. the person who had taken the weapon said to leave the weapons with him and to give the claimant something else. Hazrat Abu Bakr was sitting there. He said, this cannot happen at any cost. The Holy Prophet would not grant something to a coward from among the Quraysh and forsake a lion from among the lions of God who fought alongside the Messenger of Allah. Hazrat Abu Qatada would say, the Holy Prophet stood up and gave me the weapons. With that, I then bought a date orchard and this was my first property that I invested in after accepting Islam. Hazrat Muslim Maud says, Ponder over history. During the Battle of Hunayn, the disbelievers of Makkah joined the Muslim army, saying that today we will demonstrate the feats of our bravery. But they were unable to withstand the onslaught from the Banu Saqif and ran away from the battlefield. Hence, there came a time during this battle when only 12 companions remained around the Holy Prophet The Muslim army, which was a force of 10,000 men, became scattered. The army of the disbelievers, which comprised of 3,000 archers, were hiding on both sides of the valley and they began firing their arrows on them. Yet despite this, the Holy Prophet did not wish to retreat and wanted to continue on. Hazrat Abu Bakr became worried and grabbed the reins of the Holy Prophet's mount and said, O Messenger of Allah, may my mother and father be sacrificed for your sake. 
this is not the time to advance ahead. The Muslim army will regroup and we can attack then. However, the Holy Prophet said with great passion, leave the reins of my mount. And then he nudged it with his heel and advanced ahead, reciting the following couplet, meaning, I am the promised prophet whose eternal safety was vouchsafed. I am not a liar. Therefore, I care not whether you are an army of 3,000 or 30,000. O ye idolaters, seeing this bravery of mine, do not think that I am God. I am a human and the son of your chief, Abdul Muttalib, i.e. his grandson. The Holy Prophet's uncle, Hazrat Abbas, had a loud voice. He said to him, Abbas, come forward and with a loud voice proclaim, O companions of Surah Al-Baqarah, i.e. those who had memorized Surah Al-Baqarah, O companions who pledged allegiance under the tree at Hudaybiyah, the Messenger of God summons you. A companion says, Owing to the cowardice of the new Muslim converts from Makkah, when the vanguard of the Muslim army retreated, our mounts also ran, and the more we tried to steer them back, the more they would run in the opposite direction, until the voice of Abbas resounded inside the valley, O companions of Surah Al-Baqarah, O companions who pledged allegiance under the tree at Hudaybiyah, the Messenger of God summons you. The companion further says, When this voice reached my ears, it seemed as though I was no longer alive, but had died, and that the trumpet of angel Israfil was resounding in the air. I pulled hard on the reins of my camel, its head touched its back, but it was so frightened that as soon as I would loosen the reins, it would run in the opposite direction again. Many of my comrades, including myself, took out their swords. Some managed to jump off the camels, and many had to sever the heads of their camels. The companions then began running towards the Holy Prophet, and within a few moments, the army of 10,000 companions, which was running helplessly towards Makkah, gathered around the Holy Prophet ﷺ again. A short while later, this army climbed the mount and destroyed the enemies, and this dangerous defeat turned into a great victory. With regards to Ghazwa Taif, it is written that Taif was a famous town situated 90 kilometers to the west of Makkah and is a mountainous town of Hijaz. Grapes and other fruits were available here in abundance and it was the home to the Banu Thaqif. The remaining army of the Banu Thaqif and Hawazin ran away to Taif along with their leader Malik bin Auf Nasri and sought refuge in their fort. Thus, after finishing from Hunayn and having gathered the spoils at Jirana and distributing it, he headed towards Jirana in the same month of Shawal 8 Hijri. Jirana was the name of a well near Makkah on route to Taif. It is situated 27 kilometers from Makkah. There are various narrations regarding how many days the Holy Prophet besieged Taif. According to some narrations, the siege lasted for a little over 10 nights, whereas some narrations state that the siege lasted a little over 20 nights. According to one narration, the Holy Prophet besieged Taif for more than 30 nights. Ibn Hisham states, It is said that the Holy Prophet besieged Taif for 17 nights. Hazrat Anas bin Malik states in a narration of Sahih Muslim, We lay siege of Taif for 40 nights. During the siege of Banu Thaqif in Taif, the Holy Prophet said to Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, 
O Abu Bakr, I have seen in a dream that I was presented a bowl of butter. However, a cockerel pecked at the bowl as a result of which all the contents of the bowl fell down. Hazrat Abu Bakr said, O Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I do not believe that you will achieve the outcome regarding them today. The Holy Prophet said, I too do not see it happening. After a short while, Hazrat Umar said, Should I make an announcement to depart? To which the Holy Prophet said, Yes, indeed. And so Hazrat Umar made the announcement that they were to leave. The Battle of the Book took place in Rajab 9 Hijri. In regards to this battle, is it recorded that the place of the Book is located along the main route to Syria from Medina, commonly used by the travelling merchant convoys. It is a city between the valley of Qura and Syria, and the companions would also refer to it as a city of the dwellers of the wood. This was the place to which Hazrat Shuaib was sent as a prophet. Hazrat Abu Bakr accompanied the Holy Prophet during the Battle of Tabuk, and during this expedition, the Holy Prophet gave a large flag to Hazrat Abu Bakr. During the Battle of Tabuk, Hazrat Abu Bakr presented his entire wealth to the Holy Prophet, which had a total value of 4,000 dirhams. When the Holy Prophet commanded the companions to prepare for the expedition to Tabuk, he sent a message to the tribes around Makkah and the other tribes of Arabia to accompany him. The Holy Prophet ordered the affluent companions to spend their wealth and provide mounts in the way of Allah. And this was the last expedition in which the Holy Prophet participated. Thus, on this occasion, the first person to bring their wealth was Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Hazrat Abu Bakr brought everything he owned, which was equal to 4,000 dirhams. The Holy Prophet asked him, Have you left anything at home for your family? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied, I have left the name of Allah and his messenger. Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab brought half of his entire wealth. The Holy Prophet asked him, Have you left anything at home for your family? He replied that he had left behind half of his wealth. On that occasion, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf offered 100 awqiyah. which was equal to approximately 4,000 dirhams. The Holy Prophet then said, Usman bin Affan and Abdurrahman bin Auf are among the treasuries of Allah the Almighty on earth who spend in order to attain the pleasure of Allah. They had contributed a lot of wealth. On the same occasion, women also offered their jewellery for this cause. And Hazrat Asim bin Adi offered 70 wasq of dates, which is equal to approximately 262 kg. Rather, it is 262 months. If one month is approximately 40 kilograms, then this would come up to just over a ton or about one and a half tons. Zaid bin Aslam narrates from his father, I heard Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab saying, the Holy Prophet told us to give alms and at that time I had some wealth. 
I thought to myself that today I will surpass Abu Bakr. If there is a day that I shall surpass him, then it is today. Hazrat Umar continued, I offered half of all my wealth. The Holy Prophet asked, What have you left behind for your family? I humbly submitted, I have left for my family as much as I have brought with me. Then Hazrat Abu Bakr brought all the wealth that he had. When Hazrat Abu Bakr arrived, Hazrat Umar explained that Hazrat Abu Bakr had bought all the wealth he owned. The Holy Prophet asked, O Abu Bakr, what have you left behind for your family? He submitted, I have left the name of Allah and His Messenger for them. Hazrat Umar said, By Allah, I can never surpass him in anything. The Promised Messiah states, There was a time when people would sacrifice their lives for the sake of Allah's religion, like goats and sheep. How should I describe the spending of their wealth? On more than one occasion, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq brought all the wealth he owned, to the extent that he did not even leave behind a needle. Likewise, Umar readily spent according to his means, and Usman spent according to his capacity and status. In a similar manner and according to their respective ranks, all the companions were ready to sacrifice their wealth and lives for the sake of this divine religion. Then the Promised Messiah states, in regard to those who take the bath, i.e. the Pledge of Allegiance, there are some who take the bath and also proclaim to give precedence to their faith over worldly matters. But when the time comes for contributing from their wealth and presenting a sacrifice, they cling on to their pockets tightly. Can anyone with this extent of love for the world answer a religious calling? Can such people be of any benefit? Never, absolutely not. The Promised Messiah further states, Allah the Almighty states, Meaning, never shall you attain to righteousness unless you spend out of that which you love. There is an incident about Hazrat Abu Bakr assisting the Holy Prophet in burying a deceased companion. In this regard, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud reports, I accompanied the Holy Prophet during the expedition of Tabuk. I woke up during one night and noticed some light coming from a fire that was lit on one flank of the army. So I went towards it to see what it was. There I saw the Holy Prophet ﷺ, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. I saw that Hazrat Abdullah Dhul Bijadain Muzani had passed away and they had already dug his grave. The Holy Prophet ﷺ was standing in the grave while Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar were lowering the body into the grave. The Holy Prophet was saying, You both should lower your brother towards me. Thus Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar 
lowered the body of Hazrat Abdullah Zul Bijadain towards the Holy Prophet. When the Holy Prophet had placed him in the grave, he offered the prayer. Allahumma inni amsaytu radiyan an fa'rid an That is, O Allah, I spent the day until evening in a state that I was pleased with him. Pray, be pleased with him as well. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud says, At that moment I wished that I was the one being buried. Hazrat Abdullah Dhul Bijadain was from the tribe of Banu Muzayna. It is recorded that he was still young when his father passed away. He did not receive any inheritance. His paternal uncle was very wealthy. That same uncle took him under his care until he himself became wealthy. When he accepted Islam at the time of the conquest of Makkah, his uncle took everything away from him to the extent that his lower garment was also taken away. Then his mother came and ripped her cloak in two pieces and Hazrat Abdullah used one piece as a lower garment and wrapped himself with the other piece. He then came to Medina and lay down in the mosque. He also offered the morning prayer with the Holy Prophet Hazrat Abdullah said that it was the practice of the Holy Prophet that after offering the morning prayer, he would look carefully at everyone present to see if there was anyone new amongst them. The Holy Prophet saw Hazrat Abdullah and did not recognize him, so he asked him, Who are you? Hazrat Abdullah mentioned his lineage. In one narration, it is reported that Hazrat Abdullah submitted, My name is Abdul Uzza. Upon this, the Holy Prophet said, your name is Abdullah Dhul Bijadain, I the possessor of two cloaks. The Holy Prophet then said, Stay close to me. He was included amongst the guests of the Holy Prophet and he would teach him the Holy Quran until he had memorized a large portion. He had a very loud voice. It is recorded with regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr being a leader for Hajj that in nine Hijri, the Holy Prophet appointed him as the Amir of Hajj and sent him to Makkah. Details of this are that when the Holy Prophet returned from Tabuk, he decided to perform Hajj. He was told that the disbelievers join in with others on the occasion of Hajj. And so they would be present there, reciting idolatrous incantations while circling the Kaaba without any clothes on. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet decided not to perform Hajj that year and appointed Hazrat Abu Bakr as the leader. Hazrat Abu Bakr set out from Medina along with 300 companions and the Holy Prophet sent 20 animals for sacrifice along with them. The Holy Prophet put collars around their necks and marked them himself in order to indicate that these were sacrificial animals. Hazrat Abu Bakr also took five sacrificial animals of his own. It is narrated that Hazrat Ali announced the initial verses of Surah Tawbah on the occasion of Hajj. The narration is as follows. Abu Jafar Muhammad bin Ali narrates that when Surah Bara, i.e. Surah Tawbah, was revealed to the Holy Prophet he had already sent Hazrat Abu Bakr as the leader for Hajj. 
It was suggested to the Holy Prophet that he should convey this chapter to Hazrat Abu Bakr so that he may recite it there. The Holy Prophet said that none other than someone from his own family could fulfill this task on his behalf. He then summoned Hazrat Ali and instructed him to take what had been stated in the beginning of Surah Tawbah and announce among the people on the day of sacrifice when they gather in Mina that no disbelievers shall enter paradise and after that year none of the disbelievers were allowed to perform Hajj. No one will be allowed to perform circuits around the house of Allah while nude and whoever entered into a treaty with the Holy Prophet its period will be fulfilled. Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib took the Holy Prophet's camel Adba and set out and met Hazrat Abu Bakr along the way. Hazrat Ali met Hazrat Abu Bakr either in Urj or the valley of Zujan. Urj is a valley between Makkah and Medina where caravans would encamp and Zujnan is a place near Makkah at a distance of 25 miles en route to Medina. When Hazrat Abu Bakr saw Hazrat Ali along the way, he asked whether he had been appointed as the Emir or whether he would be under his leadership. This was the degree of Hazrat Abu Bakr's humility. He immediately asked whether the Holy Prophet had sent Hazrat Ali as the Emir or if Hazrat Ali would work under his leadership in the convoy. Hazrat Ali said that he would be under Hazrat Abu Bakr's leadership and then both of them continued on. Hazrat Abu Bakr oversaw all matters relating to Hajj. That year, the people of Arabia set up their camps in the same place where they used to during the time of ignorance. When the day of sacrifice arrived, Hazrat Ali stood and announced that which the Holy Prophet had instructed him, saying, O people, no disbeliever shall enter paradise, and after this year no disbeliever shall perform hajj, nor shall anyone be allowed to perform circuits of the house of Allah while nude. Whoever has a treaty with the Holy Prophet its terms shall be completed. From the day of this announcement, the people will be given a period of four months so that every tribe can return to their place of security or dwellings. Thereafter, there shall be no oath or treaty with a disbeliever, nor will they be entrusted with any duty, excluding those oaths and treaties which have already been formed with the Holy Prophet for a set period of time. In other words, those treaties for which the stipulated time frame had still remained. Aside from these treaties, there will be no new treaties. The existing treaties made with the Holy Prophet will be honoured according to their fixed time period. After that year, no disbeliever performed Hajj, nor did anyone perform circus of the Kaaba while nude. In another narration, Hazrat Ali is recorded to have said, Hazrat Abu Bakr came to Arafah and addressed the people. When he completed his address, he turned to me and said, O Ali, stand and deliver the message sent by the Holy Prophet I stood and recited the first 40 verses of Surah Al-Bara. Thereafter, both Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Abu Bakr returned to the Holy Prophet These narrations will continue. At this time, I wish to mention about a deceased member who recently passed away. God willing, I will also lead her funeral prayer. Respected Amatul Latif Khurshid Sahiba, who was residing in Canada. She was the wife of the late Sheikh Khurshid Ahmed Sahib, assistant editor Al-Fazl Rabwa. 
She recently passed away at the age of 95. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. She was a Musiya by the grace of Allah. She was the paternal granddaughter of Hazrat Mia Fazl Muhammad of Harsiyah and the maternal granddaughter of Hazrat Hakim Allah Baksh Sahib, a teacher from Tilwan Deori, both of whom were companions of the Promised Messiah Islam. She was the maternal granddaughter of Hazrat Ammajan and eldest daughter of respected Mia Abdul Rahim Dianand Sahib, a Darvesh of Gadian and Amna Begum Sahiba. She attended middle school at Nusrat Girls High School in Gadian. And then she enrolled in Jamia Nusrat in 1943-44. She studied in Jamia Nusrat for two years, after which she studied privately and then passed the Adib Alam examinations. She was married to Sheikh Khurshid Ahmed Sahib, assistant editor Al-Fazl, as I mentioned earlier. Then Nikah was announced by Hazrat Khalid Musi II in Masjid Mubarak. Allah the Almighty granted her three sons and two daughters. She was the sister of Abdul Basit Shahisab, a missionary who resides here these days in the UK and also worked in London for some time. Basit Sahib also served in Africa. One of her grandsons, Vakasam Khurshid, is a missionary in USA. She belongs to a well-educated family. One of her sisters, Amatul Bari Nasazaiba, also renders various services in line with her field of expertise. Amatul Latif Saiba began serving Lajnaya Maila in various capacities from the age of 13, and her years of service spanned 70 years. She worked under the guidance of Hazrat Khalid Tumasi II and the tutelage of Hazrat Umul Mu'mineen, Sayyida Nusrat Jahan Begum Saiba, and the supervision of various other elders. She served in Gardian and then upon the partition of the Indian subcontinent, according to the instructions of Hazrat Khalid Tumasi II and the late Hazrat Choti Apa, she served as the in charge of the female immigrants. Similarly, she had the opportunity of serving Lajna in various capacities. She also served as a secretary Ishad for an extended period of time. She was the editor of Ms. Bah from 1979 to 1986. She had been residing in Canada since 1986, where she was an honorary advisor for Lajna Imaila. Under the publications department, she rendered great help in compiling the first four volumes of the history of Lajna Imaila. Al-Masabi and Al-Azhar. She had the honor of working with Hazrat Choti Apa for 44 years. It was under her leadership and supervision that the first Ijtima of Nasiratul Ahmadiyya was held. While she was the secretary of Nasirat, Amdul Latif Saiba, along with her husband, Sheikh Khurshid Sahib, compiled various historical accounts related to the faith and the Ahmadiyya community. Her son, Lake Ahmed Khurshid, says, Our late mother taught her children a profound lesson, which was that we should not entertain anything said against the Jamaat or Khilafat. Even if we did hear anything, then we should never repeat it or say anything about it. Because Allah the Almighty specially helps the Jamaat and Khilafat. She would say that after every trial and disorder, 
God Almighty manifests signs in favor of the Jamaat. Thus, we should never fall prey to any sort of disarray. He writes, She was a walking encyclopedia of the Jamaat. She was very sociable and wished well for everyone. She trusted God and had a passion for serving others and she would avidly take part in helping to settle immigrants who arrived in Canada. Another one of her children writes, Our mother had profound love for Khilafat. She always urged and reminded us to pray for the Khalifa. She was very regular and careful in offering her prayers. Friday was like a day of Eid for her. Regarding her love for the Holy Quran, she says, she taught numerous children the recitation of the Holy Quran and would especially focus on its correct pronunciation. Her grandson, Vakas Khurshid, who is a missionary, says, she would always draw my attention towards prayers and studies. By telling stories, she would teach children about the history of the Jamaat and in order to properly tend to their moral training. One of her granddaughters says, my grandmother had nine granddaughters. Not only did she see to the moral training of us girls so that we can become servants of Lajna Imaila, she was also a constant guide for us in learning manners, how to properly observe the veil, tending to the house, being hospitable, sewing, reading and writing Urdu. As we grew older, she encouraged us to take care of our husbands and in-laws and she would be very happy when we told her that we had spent time with our in-laws. Along with fulfilling these duties, she also encouraged us to become well-educated and work towards our careers. She was firm against non-Islamic practices, such as celebrating birthdays, etc. But she would commemorate birthdays and other important occasions by encouraging us to remain as one family unit. And we would sing the poem of Hamdu Sana and offer prayers together. She continues, as Ahmadi Muslims living in Canada, she was a crucial part of our upbringing. She taught us how to balance our faith and Western society. This is the duty of mothers and elders, which is vital to safeguard the next generation. They must understand how to raise the next generation. They must teach them the faith while living in this society and teach them how to adjust without letting them feel any sort of inferiority complex. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon her, elevate her station and enable her children and progeny to carry on her virtues. Alhamdulillah, 